something big has brought us together. Something great has brought us together. Rather, someone great has brought us together this evening. Who is this man? Who is this man that has so altered and influenced the world in which we live that, that some of you have flown hundreds of miles to be with families and it now finds you here? Who is this man who has split history in half and so altered the calendar, cutting it right in half? So now everything that has happened, that is happening or will happen, is marked in reference to him. B.C. A.D., who is this man whose story all these centuries later still shapes the end of the year schedule, shapes our December budget, our home decorations, our outfits, our movie cues on Netflix and Hulu that has Bing Crosby, Nat King Cole, Vince Guaraldi, maybe Mariah Carey on our Spotify and Apple playlist? Who is he? Who is this man whose birth in an unglamorous, out-of-the-way place in obscurity now has us stringing brightly colored lights across the gutters and eaves of our homes? And who is this man who has had oceans of ink fill pages of books about him, more so than any person ever to exist? And who is this man who has had more paint brushed onto canvases, more notes set to song, more clay shaped into his likeness than any other person. And who is this man whose story has been translated into over 3,400 languages? The distant second most translated book. Any guesses on that, by the way? Uh, not quite. The Little Prince has been translated into about 470 languages. Harry Potter is about 70 languages. The Quran is not even in the top five. Who is this that at the glowing center of the miracle and mystery of Christmas alters everything we know about life? You know, one of the questions that I, I like to ask people is, is this. What do you think about the world's most famous person? What do you think about the world's most famous person? It gets people thinking. First, they have to think of who they think the world's most famous person is. And then they need to think about what they think about that most famous person. And when someone takes a good, honest, and hard look at history, when someone considers all the art ever made, all the stories ever told, when one studies the institutions that have ever been formed in the very shape of cultures all over this globe, there is no doubt that Jesus of Nazareth is verifiably, without a doubt, 100% the most famous person in the world. Who is this man? Every one of us must reckon with this question. Every one of us must reckon with this question. And Christmas is here to help us do so, to draw us into the miracle and the mystery and the wonder of who he is. Now, it is the most logical, rational, and most sane thing for someone to do to have an informed understanding of who Jesus of Nazareth is. 
And it is one of the most illogical, irrational, and strangely absurd things to ignore or to not have a well-informed understanding of the most famous person in the world. Not because he is the most famous person in the world, but because of what he said, what he did, and his life, and how he has changed everything. So who is this man? Well, our text this Christmas Eve is Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 33. So let's read it again, get it into our ears, and get it into our heart, and then work our way through it. Here's what the text says. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Who is this man? Who is this man is answered in several wonderful ways in this text. So let's spend a little bit of time and look at a few of them. Verses 26 through 27. See, most of us, by the way, are well acquainted with the Christmas story. And maybe, if I can say it this way, maybe, maybe to a fault. Maybe we're too familiar with it. Maybe we've been inoculated against its potency and its shocking claims. And so, a brief reminder. Fleming Rutledge has said that Advent, or let's say Christmas, begins in the dark. And it is a dark and oppressive time. Israel is a fractured and polarized people with political and social divisions squeezed on all sides by the iron fist that is the Roman Empire. The Jews are a people that are looking for a way out, that are looking for a way forward, that are looking for some light in the darkness, for a promised hero, for a liberation, for some revolution. Then comes a message, a message not to the center of power, a message not to the temple, not to Jerusalem, not to the influencers, but this message goes out to the margins, out to the sticks, the backwoods. This message comes to a peasant girl who lives out in the boonies. A messenger, an angel named Gabriel, the one who is famed for coming to talk to Daniel of Daniel in the lion's den fame. This Gabriel comes from heaven to Nowheresville. And look how Luke writes it. A city of Galilee called Nazareth. Now why didn't he just say Nazareth? Because no one has a clue where Nazareth is. No one knows. It is a small blip, not even on most maps. It's a bit like Philo, California. 
a town of maybe 340 people up in Mendocino County. And I say up in Mendocino County because most, most, most of us have no clue where Philo is. But if I say Mendocino County, now we have a general idea. That's what Luke is doing. He's saying Nazareth up there, in, you know, in the Galilee region. That's how well-known Nazareth is. See, this Christmas king, this Jesus, will be born to a peasant girl in a backwater town. And he comes from humble origins. He comes from a blue-collar household. He doesn't come from a place of privilege or of worldly power. No silver spoon in this baby's mouth. Who is this man? Well, he is someone of surprising counterintuitive origins. Something of an underdog, you might say. So he comes from humble origins, like most of us, so that's encouraging. He comes from humble origins. Yet he also comes from an extraordinary origin. He comes from heaven. The splendor of heaven invades rustic Nazareth. An angel comes to the daily grind of the peasant life. The light of heaven meets the dust of earth here in this interaction. Now this Jesus not only comes from humble origins and extraordinary heavenly origins, he comes from historical origins. And I think this is really important for us to say and get a hold of because we are not dealing with myth as many of us think of myth. We are not dealing with fiction, but real places. They can hop on a plane and head to these towns. They're still there. We're dealing with real people, real family tree. We're dealing with somebody who has real DNA. And we see here specifically that this Jesus will be in the line, the family line of King David. Who is this man? Jesus has a humble and heavenly and historical origin. Now there's... A lot more to wonder at in here, so I'll move along. Let's look at verses 28 through 31. The angel appears and says, greetings. And in Greek, rather, it's, it's rejoice. Rejoice. This angel, this messenger is bringing rejoice-worthy news. He is bringing good news. And then he calls Mary. Well, what does he call her? Favored one. He calls her favored one, which means one to whom grace has come. One who has not earned something, but one to whom a gift comes freely. See, Jesus is a gift to her. Jesus is a gift to you. Jesus is a gift to me. Jesus is a gift to all humanity. He's not someone we deserve. He's not someone we deserve, not someone we have earned through all our strivings, not someone that we can pull down from heaven because of all of our moral efforts. He's pure gift. And Christmas is pure gift. See, the kingdom of God is a gift to the kingdoms of this world. And that should put politics in its place. Important but not ultimate. Jesus gets top billing. Now notice Mary's initial response. Her initial response is, it's beginning to look a lot like... No. No, 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 no. She is freaked out, right? She's freaked out. She's greatly troubled. I love the humanity of this. And see, we, we read the Bible so strangely sometimes. In our strange readings of the Bible, we, we miss these, these earthy, 
moments of just being human, of the complex emotions of being a, a human being in this world. These are real people. And so heaven collides with earth here. The supernatural meets the natural. And this young woman is faced with this heavenly visitor and she's distressed and she's troubled for two reasons. One, an ambassador from heaven is speaking to her. That will mess with you. That will shake things up. If you, can, if you think you can interact with heaven and it, and it won't mess with you, then you, then you haven't interacted with heaven. The second thing, though, is she knew her scriptures. She knew her Bible. She knew that for others in the Old Testament that had similar greetings, their lives were radically turned upside down or rather turned right side up. And suddenly those people whom God had greeted through a messenger the way Gabriel greets her, their lives were thrust into a radical new adventure and everything changed. She knows her scriptures. And she gulps and goes, what's next? What is he going to say? Because everything is about to change. So who is this man? Who is this man? One who disrupts the status quo. That's who. Jesus disrupts the status quo. Jesus disrupts our broken stories. Jesus disrupts our narratives and turns them another way. The mystery and the miracle of Christmas disrupts our plans and upsets our expectations. The Christ child disrupts the darkness and the brokenness that we have long been normalized to. Let's be honest, that we have contributed to, and that is why we need restoration. That is why we need redemption and forgiveness. See, Christmas, Christmas can't be controlled, and we want to control Christmas. We want to tame it. We want to put it in, in a box, and we want, to, we want to wrap it tight, and we want to consume it, buy it, and sell it, but that's not how Christmas works. There is a wild glory to Christmas. And this Jesus comes in a strange way, and he messes things up in the most brilliant of ways. Christmas is a brilliant, wonderful disruption that rewrites our stories. Who is this man? Who is this man who is a gift from heaven, who disrupts the status quo? Well, he's one born of a woman's womb. And again, this is important and needs to be said and understood. Jesus is human. He's born of a woman, and though his conception is miraculous, he was born like we all were, through labor pains, through agony, through sweat and blood. He came into this world through pain, and he came into a world of pain. His tiny body felt the chill of the night air as he was exposed to a world that was full of sorrow and suffering, a world that we all know. Very, very well. This means he's one who knows what it means to be human. He knows what it's like to walk through the grind of boring days, difficult days, painful days, because he walked through those days before we ever walked through them. He's here with us. He knows what it's like. But this one who's human, he's also divine. So most people know his name. Again, he is the most famous person in all the world. They know the name Jesus, but most people don't know what the name Jesus means. In Hebrew, it's Yeshua. And it simply means this. God is salvation. God is our rescue, or God is our Savior. Couple that with the fact that Jesus is born of a virgin's womb. 
miraculously, well, it means Jesus is divine. He is God in the flesh. And I get it. Like, when I say he's born of a virgin's womb, he's God in the flesh, like, it might sound impossible. And, and maybe you've had a skeptical outlook and, and you're here tonight and you, you hear what I say. Like, that sounds impossible. In fact, that sounds just flat out crazy. Like, I, I understand that. But this is the miracle and the mystery of Christmas, the immensity of God cloistered within a woman's womb. Christmas never purports to be anything less than a radical miracle that enters into earth, earth, heaven coming down and changing everything that is beyond what we expected, beyond what we think. Christmas never purports to be anything less than a radical miracle that changes everything. So Christmas comes as a miracle, as a gift, not something that can be controlled. This is the glorious wildness of Christmas. The incarnation, God in in meat and bone. God in flesh and bone, that's what incarnation means, in the meat and the flesh and bone. An immense wonder. I was talking this past week with my friend and Pastor Laren, I know he's here somewhere with his family, and we were talking about this, and he brought up this quote from Karl Barth, a theologian, And in relation to the incarnation, God within a woman's womb, Karl Barth said, perhaps even here we may joyfully say, yes, yes, I believe in the immensity of the miracle of Christmas. Well, there's there's still more here, so let's look at verses 32 through 33. It says, he will be great. And will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So this historical, humbly born, heaven-sent gift that is a status quo disruptor who is fully human and fully divine, well, he is the Son of God. He is the great King of God's people. He's the one that the story has pointed to all along from page one of the scriptures on. He is the heir of King David, the long-promised one who will rule and reign. And he'll do it perfectly. And remember, Israel at, this, at the time of the writing of this was under the thumb of Caesar. So help me out here. Caesar, good king or bad king? Bad king. Israel and all the world needed a good king. They needed a great king, one that would rule and reign with justice and compassion, who would provide, who would protect, who would bring about peace and flourishing, not like the Pax Romana of of the Roman Empire, but the the Pax Romana, the peace that only heaven could breathe into earth. And this Jesus, he is the great king who rules in love and wisdom and power, but he is not a great king For a little bit. He's not a great king for a season. He's not a great king for a term until another election cycle brings us to insanity. No, he is the great king who will rule and reign forever. Of his kingdom, there will be no end, no shelf life, no expiration date. He is the great and the forever king. To the peace he brings, there will be no end. To the joy he brings, there will be no end. To the justice he brings, there will be no end. To the compassion he brings, there will be 
to the beauty he brings, there will be. To the love that he brings, there will be no end. Now, wait, 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 wait. Hang on, you might say. Like, have you looked outside? Have you scrolled the news? You do realize that this world is full of violence and that this world is full of injustice and despair and ugliness and hatred and cruelty and loss, which some of us have faced in the last few weeks. You do realize that, right? Yeah. That's right. That's spot on. It's true. But here's the thing. Jesus' first coming is like, it's like when you go out in the pitch black of the deepest of night and you're looking on the horizon and then suddenly you see a faint red line on the horizon and then suddenly gold begins to grow and, and light rays begin to spread and morning has come. Morning has come. And you say day has come and you're right. But it's not the full blare of the afternoon sun. So day is coming. But between now and then, the light is growing and spreading and dispelling and dissolving all the shadows that are across the land. And and at high noon, all the shadows will shrink beneath our feet and there will be full sunshine. In other words, he's come and the light is spreading, but he's coming again. When we talk about Advent, it's not just the first coming of Jesus. It also talks about and looks forward to the second coming of Jesus. And when he comes again, he's not coming as a baby. He's coming as the king of glory, the rightful ruler, the one who reigns over all the cosmos. And it won't just be some shepherds who bow at his coming or some wise men who bow at his coming, but it will be the very stars of heaven that kneel before him. The trees, the mountains, the ocean will lay themselves down at the feet of the king. And all creation will have to confess that this Jesus is king. So who is this man? He's more than a theological answer. He's more than a bit of data we put in our heads. He's more than some abstraction. Have you heard of chat GPT? There's a few rumbles. Chat GPT, chat as in C-H-A-T and then G-P-T. Generative pre-trained transformer. What are we talking about now? The artificial intelligence bot that recently launched and caused waves across the world. It can write essays. It can write and program computers. Type anything into it and you get mind-blowing answers and conversation back. It's creepy. It's wild. It's kind of fun. Millions of people have been interacting with this after it launched. There's all sorts of speculations on what this will do to Google and homework and all all the stuff, all the things. So this week I was like... Who is Jesus? Type it into chat GPT. And the AI fed me back in about 1.2 seconds the following. Now, I don't have this written up, but let's, let's just listen to it. Here's what it said. Jesus is a religious figure who is central to Christianity and is believed by Christians to be the Son of God. 
According to the Christian Bible, Jesus was born in Bethlehem to a virgin mother, Mary, and was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He lived in the region of Palestine, which is now Israel, during the first century CE. Jesus is known for his teachings, miracles, and acts of compassion, which are recorded in the Gospels, the texts that make up a significant part of the New Testament of the Christian Bible. Jesus is also known for his death and resurrection, which are central to the Christian belief in salvation and redemption. Christians believe that Jesus' death and resurrection represents the means by which humanity can be reconciled with God and that through faith in Jesus, people can receive forgiveness for their sins and eternal life. That's pretty good for AI. Isn't that amazing? Like, I wish all of us would be able to be able to give that kind of answer when somebody says, who is Jesus? That is a good answer. But it is not enough. It is not enough. Because that's data. Jesus is not simply an answer to a question. He's not simply a data point. Jesus is a present reality. Jesus is Emmanuel. God with us. Christmas, my friends, is the gift of heaven. Disrupting the brokenness, disrupting the darkness, disrupting our self-destructive behaviors, disrupting injustice, disrupting the despair of the world by the Son of God taking on human flesh to seek and save the lost, to move in the neighborhood, to live with us, and to be our great King who will rule and reign without end. And He's here with us tonight. He's not just history, but He's our present and He's our future. He still abides and he forever will. His presence, bright and shining in this age, in his people, through his spirit. Who is this Jesus? Is God with us? Now earlier I asked the question, what do you think of the world's most famous person? Well, I want to ask that again, but I want to alter it a little bit. What do you think of the world's most famous person? Well, do you know the most famous person in the world? More so, have you experienced the presence of Jesus? Because Christmas is the gift of God with us. My words fall short of this great miracle mystery, and this is why we have liturgy and traditions gathering like this, all to captivate our imaginations with the miracle and mystery of God with us. And so, we do all these things to attune ourselves to the reality of God who is there, who is here, who is, who is with us. And it's one of the reasons why we light these candles that we're about to light. To sense, to know, to see, and, and symbol the reality of his, his presence with us. 